An older woman approached me after I finished a talk on emotional health. Vanessa, I need to talk to you about my granddaughter. Sure, what's going on? She's so angry. Oh, well, do you know what she's so angry about? No, she's just so angry. Well, has anyone asked her why she's so angry? There was a long pause. No, I don't guess we have. Welcome to the Vanessa Londino Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Londino. For five weeks, and this is week two, we're taking a dive, somewhat deep dive, into the stages of waking up. And what do I mean by waking up? Overall, waking up refers to the process, slow, steady, fast, however it happens, of becoming who we truly are. Folks, every single one of us has been conditioned by the entities and authorities, both good and bad, healthy and unhealthy, that we've encountered in our lives. We've been conditioned by our parents, their love for us, even their failure to love us. All of these things condition us. That means it sets us in patterns through approval and disapproval, through winning and losing, through reward and punishment. We figure out what gets us what we need, and we do that. And if that's healthy, great. If it's not, we still do it. This is called conditioning. It's we're acting without consciousness. We're just doing what we have been habituated to do. So how do parents condition us? Well, through approval, through acceptance. We tend to do what will give us approval and acceptance from our parents, even if that runs contrary to who we really are. Children will always choose acceptance over authenticity. So if we were given nurturing, authentic love, that would have conditioned us to love ourselves well. That would have taught us how to love others. And if we weren't, we were conditioned to self-protect and recreate that dynamic in our adult lives. This is all conditioning. We've been conditioned by our society. Act this way. Dress this way. Weigh this much. Don't allow this to show or that to show. Be a lady. Be a man. This is why we love rebels and trailblazers, because they don't care about conditioning. They're breaking out of the box. They're breaking the rules. They live out the part in each one of us that's fearless, that's real. We love these characters and stories. We love these people in real life because they sort of teach us how to be alive on a different level, right? They don't succumb to the pressures and the rules and the guilt trips that other people do. They make up their own rules, they check in with themselves, and they do what feels authentic. We've been conditioned by churches. Religion is a huge conditioner of humankind. And instead of teaching us how to know ourselves, to love ourselves, to bring our authentic selves to our relationships with God, we've been brainwashed into thinking that certain actions make us good enough to sit in a pew. Certain actions mean we're going to heaven or hell. Certain actions make us good or bad. This is conditioning. Who wants to walk around thinking that their actions consciously are going to bring them to hell or that their actions consciously make them bad? So we've been conditioned to act a certain way, and that could be morally right, but it could also be very disconnected from our conscious mind. We've been conditioned by schools, another huge entity that conditions us from elementary school all the way through higher and higher education. Well, this is important and this isn't. Focus on this. Don't focus on this. This is worth your time of study. This isn't. You know, we've all heard the stereotypical joke, oh, so-and-so majored in basket weaving. That's a perfect example of conditioning. It's shaming in that situation the artist. 
It's shaming the part of us that could find life in basket weaving. You know, very awakened people, spiritual teachers will say that if you fill a glass of water with consciousness, you've done more than 2,700 saints who are acting without consciousness. So it's all about becoming conscious. This is waking up. You know, by the time we reach adulthood, we are very interesting people. We are very, all of us are very interesting people, but we're often quite broken. We're kind of a messy, broken conglomeration of all of this conditioning. And most conditioning isn't, this is so important, hear me now. Most conditioning is not interested in who we really are. It's interested in making us something that fits into society. It's interested in making us fit into our families, churches, teams, co-workers, offices, corporate environments. This is conditioning. It's very tribal. It is about teaching you the rules of the game so that you fit in. It's not about knowing the self. It's about knowing the entity, whoever the entity is, whether it's a church, a family, a school system, academia, a corporate culture, whatever it is. It's about knowing the entity and gaining acceptance and approval from it. And frankly, always at the expense of the self. So the process of waking up is about slowly, carefully, and here's the big one. This is the big one. Consciously becoming aware of our conditioning. And that may mean we question it. It may mean we understand it more completely. Where, why, when it was laid on us. It may mean that we're making decisions about who we are. But the important word here is consciously. We become aware aware of when we're doing what's expected, when we're authentic, when we're not. This is the big shift between this is who I am because this is who I've always been to this is who I am. And we might find that when we're becoming aware, when we're waking up, we hold on to some things that were conditioned into us. Okay, overall, it feels authentic to who we are. We can see how it benefits our lives. And we leave other things behind. We may leave teachings behind, traditions. Sometimes we leave people behind. So waking up is painful because it involves a letting go, sometimes a cutting off. It's a process of being pruned like a tree so that you grow more. And so we're grasping. We're courageously grasping what is true. We're letting go of what is false. When we see how we've been living in the false self, and everyone does this. If you are alive, if you have a pulse, you have a false self. When we see that we've been living in the false self, what that looks like, we've become aware of it. We know when we're switching from the authentic self to the false self. Man, you know, I'm really not myself right now. I can feel it. I'm putting on that act. You know, I'm playing the Vanessa the intellectual card. Whatever it is for you. When we're aware of the false self, And then we become aware of what it's costing us. The peace, the joy, the connection, the relationship with ourselves, with God, with others, the intimacy. What it's costing us, we have the strength to leave it behind. And this is where anger, one of the stages of waking up, and the second one we're covering in this series, this is where anger comes in. This week, we're going to talk about how anger is an essential part of the process of waking up, what it is, what to do with it, when it's healthy, when it's not healthy, and why we need it, because it is essential and we do need it. All right, let's dive in. First, let's start with what anger is. Anger is the emotional response we experience when our boundaries have been crossed or when we've been violated in some way. 
Or when someone we love has experienced one of those two things, either a crossed boundary or a personal violation. Okay, that's what anger is. It's an emotional response to a boundary crossing or a violation in us or someone we love. So imagine this. You live next door to someone and there's a fence between your yard. Okay, so your yard is beautiful and you love it and their yard is lovely, whatever, but there's a fence that separates it. Now that fence is a boundary line. Right. So the easiest way to learn about boundaries is to think of physical property boundaries, because we always get that. You know, if somebody random was roaming around on our front yard, uh, we might be like, well, who in the world is that? And what are they doing on my lawn? Immediately, we have a sense of ownership about what's ours. Right. Because it's physical. When somebody crosses over into our physical space, we own that land. It's in the, you know, the meets and the bounds of the deed, I think, is the technical name for where the boundary lines are on the land. And we know what's ours. You know, we may not know every single inch of our property, but if it's fenced in, we know it pretty well. And we know that our front yard is our front yard. So if somebody's just wandering around, maybe they're letting their dog go to the bathroom. What if they're spray painting the grass? What if they're riding with chalk on our own driveway? I mean, these are boundary violations because this is ours. So the same is true emotionally. Okay, we have to know what's ours to know if a boundary line has been crossed. So let's say I come to the fence and my neighbor comes to the fence. Oh, good morning. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Yeah, you know, we're both leaning on the fence. That's a respectful acknowledgement of the boundary. I'm not crossing over onto their land. They're not crossing over onto mine. Again, go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We all have a need to own. We have a need for ownership. We have a need for property. This is a perfect example of how humans can dwell really, really peacefully when they know where the boundaries are. So I might, you know, well, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Good to see you. Yeah, you know, consider coming over, you know, for a glass of wine this weekend. Oh, we'd love to. Yeah, we'll let you know. We part ways. Okay, that's a respectful acknowledgement of the boundary. Now, what if my neighbor kind of comes through the gate? Hey, you know, I've been meaning to look at your tulips. I'm going to take a look right here and, you know, bends down, starts touching the flowers. You know, if I've got a relationship, I might think, hey, no problem. But if I don't know this person too well, I might think, well, geez, you know, this is well, okay, you want to touch the tulips, I guess touch the tulips, but you're like, you know, skipping around on my flower bed now, right? Now, let's say they go even further. Um, I come home, I pull in the driveway, my neighbor's sitting on the front porch drinking a glass of iced tea. Wouldn't you be surprised, right? Well, hi, can I help you with something? Immediately, there's an awareness that you're in my space. Now, what if I were to walk in the door and throw my keys on the kitchen table and my neighbor's just sitting on my couch, scrolling through the TV on the remote? And I think, okay, this person is not mentally well, right? So that's how boundary violations happen. There's a respectful distance. There's an encroaching. There's a crossing. And then there's just a real violation. Now, that boundary violation can be emotional. It can be relational. It can be physical. It can be sexual. And it can be psychological. But for us and our purposes today, we're going to talk about anger a lot. The first thing we need to understand about anger is what a boundary is, because anger is what lets us know that the boundary has been crossed. So what do we need to know about ourselves? Well, we need to know what's ours, our thoughts, our feelings, our intentions, our motives, our actions, our space, our body, head to toe. It's all yours. Okay. Now there are two kinds of anger. There's clean anger and there's protective anger. Let's break those down. Clean anger is what we just described. Okay. It's a strong emotion that we experience when our emotional or relational or psychological or even physical boundary lines are crossed, or we experience a personal violation of some kind. Anger is the emotion that lets us know something has been crossed. Okay. Protective anger 
is different. And this is actually not useful in waking up. And we're going to discover why. Clean anger is useful in waking up. Protective anger is not. Protective anger is when anger is what is expressed, but it's hiding more vulnerable emotions like fear, hurt, shame, uh, embarrassment, loneliness. Anger is a stronger emotion. So we present with it because it presents more powerfully. So we show anger because we feel stronger with it, but what we really are feeling is far more vulnerable. Waking up requires clean anger. Why? Because when we wake up, we begin to realize our true nature. And Vanessa, what are you talking about? Our true nature. What is that? Well, it awakens us. Anger awakens us to what we have truly deserved the whole time. We begin to realize that we have always deserved love. We have always been worthy of love. We start to piece together that when others failed to love us, even our parents, it wasn't because we were unlovable, but because they didn't have the capacity. So we begin to get it. And this is part of waking up. We begin to get it. We've always, always been worthy of love and respect. Real love. Good love. And then... And this is where the anger makes its entrance. We begin to realize that we have not always been treated as we have deserved. So when we're waking up, remember last week we talked about denial. We stop rationalizing other people's behavior, which is to say we stop making excuses for them. We stop explaining away unloving behavior and we start to ask ourselves, look, for whatever reason they did that, how did it feel? We stop ignoring our pain whether it's humiliation or hurt we felt, the moments we weren't seen or heard or loved, we admit it when we were afraid of other people or when we were afraid of life. So we stop ignoring our feelings. And again, this is last week's podcast. So if you missed last week, it sets up this week. You got to listen to it. That's a must listen. We talked about denial, right? When we're in denial, we're ignoring our feelings. That's what denial is. It is choosing not to feel our feelings. So we push them out of our consciousness. And we make excuses for people, including ourselves, so we don't have to feel the pain. We stop blaming ourselves and we start holding other people accountable. And my friends, believe me when I say this, when you start holding people, meaning other adults, accountable for that for which they are accountable, prepare to be well acquainted with your anger because people have let us down and we have let people down and we have let ourselves down down. And if we're waking up, we're coming out of the denial that everything was okay. We're stopping with the excuse making and we're beginning to go, no, this is what it was. This is what it should have been. And how do I feel about that? And this is not easy. We're coming out of denial. We're courageous enough to face what is. So we go from can't complain We all know people like this, right? How you doing? Can't complain. We're going from can't complain to actually I've got some things on my mind. Whoa. Now we've got a real person in front of us. The conditioning has stopped and someone has just awakened. And part of what we find, part of what is happening inside of us is that we are really, really angry. Now, pause here for a second. This is not the end of the story. Okay, it's really important that you aren't hearing me say that you're going to get angry and stay angry and angry is the place to be and live in your anger and feel your anger. And here's a therapist telling you to feel your feelings. And if you feel angry, well, then you just stay angry and you throw dishes at the wall. No, 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 no. I am not encouraging anger as a state of being permanently. It'll tear us apart and it will tear our relationships apart. It's too strong. 
That's not what it's for. I am saying this. It is a necessary stage in the process of waking up. If you're not willing to feel your anger, you're not awake. You have not awakened if you are not allowing yourself your anger. And if you believe that anger is wrong, morally wrong, and you do not allow it in your life and you never have, then you are not awake and you will not wake up. It's that simple. Anger is a necessary step in the process of waking up. And we're going to talk about why in a minute. Anger is normal. It is healthy, right? Remember the example above with the neighbor crossing the boundary line, picking the tool up, sitting on the front porch, getting in the sofa. Anger is what tells us, hey, this is crossing a line for me. I'm not comfortable. This person is invading something that is mine without my consent, without my allowance. I'm uncomfortable. Anger is what lets us know. Anger is involuntary. It's natural. It's happening before we know it. So what we do with our anger, how we express anger, how we process our anger is really the issue. That's the choice. But to feel anger is largely involuntary. To let anger take control of us is a choice. And in a few minutes, I'm going to describe a time in my life where I did exactly that on purpose. And it's exactly what I needed. So anger is just a signal. It's like a flare. It's a bright red hot emotion. And it's a flare that... A boundary has been crossed. It lets us know where our boundaries are. When we feel anger, we might need to ask ourselves, has someone crossed a line here? So let's don't confuse anger with aggression. And this is so important because this is where anger gets a bad rap. It's confused and it's conflated with aggression. And anger is not aggression. And aggression is not anger. I'm going to say that again because it's super important. Hear me. Anger is not aggression. And aggression is not anger. Anger is internal. It's an emotion that happens internally, just like sadness or joy. It's an internal response to the external environment. Okay? Aggression is an outward, external expression of fear in which we seek to control or harm the object or the person who is causing us fear. Aggression is the fight option. We've all heard of the phrase fight, flight, or freeze, right? And what is that response to? When we are in fight, flight, or freeze mode, we're responding to what emotion? Fear. Aggression is born out of fear. Anger is born out of a crossed boundary line. These two are often misunderstood, and so often we avoid anger because we don't want to become aggressive, nor do we want to be seen as aggressive. But we cannot confuse those two. We have to separate out when we feel anger and when we feel fear. Fear is the root of aggression. Anger is the root of a boundary violation. So what does anger do for us? Well, it gets our attention immediately. If we're in tune with our bodies and we can actually feel our anger, it's going to get our attention pretty quickly. It focuses our minds and our hearts on our inherent rights as human beings by alerting us to the fact that someone has not treated us as we deserve. So without anger, we wouldn't know if someone was violating us. Anger is the body's internal warning system. That's how we need to look at it. Now, here's the truth. You ready for some truth? Here it is. All human beings, and if you are listening to this podcast, this is true of you. This is true of the people you love. This is true of the people in your life you don't love. All human beings. Yes, I mean from Adolf Hitler to an innocent baby deserve to be treated with respect, grace, kindness, gentleness, 
honesty, dignity, truth, and fairness. All human beings. We can hold people accountable and not treat them hatefully. That is love. Okay? Now, when we perceive or come to understand through careful examination that we have not been treated this way with, what I say, respect, grace, gentleness, dignity, kindness, honesty, fairness, all these good things, right? When we realize that we have not been treated this way, we have to pass through anger in order to heal. The anger lets us know that there has been an infraction. It is the signal our body gives us that says, I get it. You deserved this, but you got this. We need that internal system to be functional and in place. We don't have to live in anger, but we need to pass through it. Anger is the response to being mistreated. So we need it in our emotional vocabulary. We need to know when that's happening. We need to know how that's taking place. Anger is also experienced as a sense that we've crossed our own boundaries. We let ourselves down. How many times have we heard or how many times have we been that person who becomes angry when we realize that we've been wasting our life? Our precious time on something or someone that wasn't worth the time and energy we invested. We feel anger. Why? Because we're coming to know that our time is precious. Because we're coming to realize that we are precious. Our lives are precious. So yes, our time and energy are precious as well. Anger is the natural response. It's not the permanent destination for our hearts. It's not a great stopping place forever for the mind. But it is absolutely a pit stop along the way that informs us that we have worth. We ought to have been treated as though we have worth. And damn it, we should have been treating ourselves that way. We should have been treating ourselves like we have worth. And this is waking up. And this is where anger comes into the picture. When we're waking up, we're going to feel anger toward ourselves. For wasted time. We didn't value ourselves as we should have. And maybe we've spent days, weeks, months, years, decades in hopeless pursuit of something that was never meant for us. Something that was never going to be good for us. Maybe we start to realize how much time we've spent in denial. This is time not wasted, but not lived. And we've been making excuses for ourselves. We've been making excuses for other people. We've been denying the truth when we could have been facing it and living our lives instead of waiting on other people to change. Maybe we've been toiling away in unworkable relationships. This is a tremendous waste of time. We've spent our life, blood, sweat, tears, begging people, pleading with people, aggressing against people, shaming people to be something they aren't. Maybe we've wasted opportunities. We've played small. We lived by the conditioning that told us we weren't smart. We weren't capable. We weren't up to it. Whatever it is we wanted to be, we couldn't do it. That was the conditioning. And so we wasted opportunities. We may feel anger at that. Maybe we begin to realize, I'm more than this. I'm more than what I've been living Or deep down inside me, I can sense that this isn't me. I can do more than this. And there's this feeling of just, damn it, why did I settle? I settled for less. Why didn't I expect more of myself, more of others, more of life? Why did I live this way for so long? Why didn't I see it? It was right there in front of me. And the anger we feel toward ourselves is generally from a sense of waste. 
We have violated our own boundaries. We have failed to give ourselves the love we deserve. And we're done blaming someone else about it. And now we're blaming us and we're mad. And this is part of waking up. We feel anger at others. When we're waking up, we start to call a spade a spade. And a few months ago, I did two podcasts, part one and two, Love Matters. Remember those? And we explored what love really is and that love actually looks like something. There are actually behaviors associated with love. And we have to call love what it is. And then we have to call a lack of love what it is. We have to call a spade a spade. So we start saying to ourselves when we're waking up, this was love and this wasn't love. And we might feel angry. And that is not when we pick up the phone. Anger does not mean we blast other people with what we are realizing. It means we start to feel it and notice it within ourselves. Now let's talk for a moment about when anger is harmful. Anger is harmful when we fixate on it, when we stay in it for too long, and it becomes hatred. And that could be hatred of ourselves, and that paves the way for depression, or hatred of others. So when anger becomes blame, it can give way to hatred. This is not waking up. This is not healthy anger. Anger isn't about blaming anyone, but it is about holding ourselves and others accountable. And this invites anger. Anger is part of what allows accountability to do its work. That's not a bad thing. It's a healthy thing. We just can't live in the experience of anger. But we also can't rush it. Anger is uncomfortable because it's strong. And we might begin to fear who we are when we're angry. You know, we're going to turn into the Incredible Hulk and turn green and bust out of our clothes. And that's because, listen to this, this is fascinating, isn't it? We all sense our innate fierce power. That is why we fear ourselves in anger, because we don't know how big we're going to get. And the thought of us getting big terrifies us. So we silence it or we hush it or we spiritualize it. You know, we tell ourselves, well, I'm a spiritual person. I'm a Christian. I'm this, I'm that. Spiritual people don't get mad. My friends, I don't know of one spiritual teacher, living or dead, who never felt angry and expressed it appropriately. Who is that person? What spiritual teacher are you learning from who has never been angry? You cannot be awake and deny or ignore anger. So if someone has reached spiritual teacher or guide status, you better believe they've been angry. They allowed anger. They didn't fear their own anger. They didn't fear their own power, their own size, their own ferocity. They know what it's for. They knew what it was for. They knew what to do with it. Anger is harmful when it becomes aggression, when it's confused or conflated with aggression. When we're aggressive, we're not angry. We're afraid and we need to deal with the fear. Come out of denial and sort those feelings out. Here's what anger does the most good. Anger does the most good when it informs us of our rights and our worth. So we start to notice that we feel angry. And we start to get a sense of how miraculous and precious and worthy of respect and protection and care each and every one of us really and truly is. And I feel the need to say that again. Okay, my friends, when we are waking up, we're starting to get a sense of who we truly are. Both our glory and our brokenness. Our eternal sense of oneness with the universe, with all that is living, with all that has breath, that has life in it, and our sense of ego separation. We're starting to grasp all of this. And we're starting to step back and look at ourselves as a being who can grasp all of this. And we're seeing how miraculous we are by being conscious. What an experience. 
to step back and realize, holy crow, I'm a human being and all that that means is amazing. This is a large part of waking up. It's finally, finally seeing yourself. And anger is part of what wakes us up because it gets us thinking and it gets us realizing, hey, I'm better than this. It's not okay for you to treat me this way. Or I'm smarter than this. It's not okay that I dismiss my own feelings, my own ideas in favor of others. That's not being polite. It's selling myself short. It's when we realize anger doesn't make me a bad person. It makes me a human. How I express my anger is a matter of maturity. Anger gives us energy. It's a strong, energetic emotion. When we are truly angry, we take action. It's an action emotion. We move. Things change. Now, when we are angry and we don't take action, that is a setup for clinical depression. Many clinicians, many professionals believe that depression is anger turned inward. It is intensely important that we get in touch with our anger in order to be fully alive. And being fully alive is waking up. This is anger doing what anger should do. It's not about other people doing us wrong and blaming them, but it is about realizing what we're worth and starting to realize when we've been treated that way, when we haven't, setting up boundaries that reflect our worth. This is absolutely waking up. So what do we do with healthy anger? Feel it. Do not act on it. One of my favorite books really ever on mental health and growth is called How to Be an Adult by David Rico. And it is the most condescending title, isn't it? How to Be an Adult. But you know what? It's a brilliant book. And I try and read it once a year. I'm still being an adult. I'm still becoming an adult. All these little parts of me that are still little Vanessa are still growing up. And here's a quote from this book that I love. Feel everything. Act on nothing. If you need to set a boundary, express it plainly and calmly. You know, I don't like it when you raise your voice to me. If you need to get my attention, just ask me to listen. But if you raise your voice, I'm going to leave the conversation because it's unsettling to me. Or we might say, you know, for years you've been leaving me out of big decisions and I realize that I'm more capable than I've behaved or given myself credit for. So going forward, I want to be part of the discussions when big decisions are on the table. I'm capable. Do these sound like people who are waking up? I think so. These are people who are coming into the knowledge of their worth. And anger is doing its job. It's letting them know, hey, this is not okay. This makes me mad. This is not okay. You know, we might say to ourselves, setting boundaries with the self, I'm done wasting time being unsure of myself. I'm done with self-doubt. I'm done putting off completing that project because I'm afraid. I'm done with it. I've spent too long thinking about my dreams, not living them, not pursuing them. No more. This is waking up. We notice anger because it points to boundary violations, but we don't have to live in it. Let it do its job. Its job is to alert you and be a signal. But to live in anger is to become cynical, right? To become jaded, bitter. We can be callous. But Vanessa, what do I do with anger? Well, you might need to set a boundary. That's a very important function of anger is alerting us where those boundaries are. Like I said, set them plainly and calmly. But what is the point? What is the end goal of anger? Here it is. The end of anger is forgiveness. If we realize we've been mistreated, we pass through the anger. We feel it totally without diminishing it, without rationalizing it. And finally, we come to forgiveness. And what is forgiveness? It means we release the anger we feel toward the person who has done harm to us, even if it means ourselves. My friends, the end of anger at the self is forgiveness of the self. And this is hard. Why? Because it requires self-compassion. All forgiveness requires compassion. 
Forgiveness flows from compassion. We have to be courageous. We have to be honest with ourselves. We've got to have clarity to have compassion with ourselves, with other people. Then we can move into forgiveness when we've seen our humanity, the humanity of others that has made us all so fallible. People are broken. We are broken. Those broken places can break others. And our unloving, even our hateful actions, the actions of others, they arise from parts that have not received love, that are broken to the point of being destructive. So forgiveness never means we're condoning behavior. Forgiveness does not mean it's okay. It doesn't. It means we let go of the anger we feel toward others or toward ourselves for what we have done or not done. It means we release the need to have everything set right and we're allowing forgiveness to be the thing that puts things right. Forgiveness is a natural process when we have felt our anger. You cannot forgive what you have not felt. What are you forgiving? What am I forgiving? If I haven't felt the wound, felt the pain, that is actually what needs to be forgiven. It's the hurt. So if I haven't truly felt it and allowed the anger to let me know, hey, you know, this person really crossed a boundary here. How do I do forgiveness? Forgiveness arises from a process. You know, I remember working through anger that I felt toward my father. And I had a lot of reasons to be angry with my father, which I won't say too much about in this podcast, except that I will say this. I could never trust him. I couldn't trust his words, his actions, his intentions. I just couldn't. And there were many reasons why. And I wanted to. I wanted to trust my dad. And in my adult years, I started to realize the extent of harm in my life from not being someone who could trust. It really, really affected my ability to trust everyone, even myself. And I was so angry. But I kept telling myself, I forgive him. And this went on for years, years. And then I finally realized this is not working. So part of my own waking up was coming out of the denial that I really didn't and hadn't forgiven him. I was in denial. Oh, I forgive my father. No, I didn't. I didn't. I was still in anger. So I consciously decided, and I'll never forget this. I looked at this eight-year-old self in my mind, this little girl. I sort of brought up an image of myself at that age when I really started to feel bewildered and distant from my dad. And I looked in her brown eyes, these sweet, hurting brown eyes, and she's so confused and angry and scared. And I just, in my heart, said to her, you know what, sweetheart? You stay as mad and as hateful as you want for as long as you want. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to love you through it. You cry as long and as hard as you want, and you hate as long and as hard as you want. And what I was doing was reparenting myself. I was finally giving the child in me the right to feel her own feelings because I was never allowed to be mad at my parents. And their wrongs, their human wrongs, they were only human. They built up and built up and built up. And you know what built up in me too? More and more and more anger. And it had become hatred. I was doing the very thing I'm telling you not to do in this podcast. I didn't know how to express my anger. That's conditioning. I wasn't allowed to express my anger. So I just built it up and built it up. And what did I do? I told myself, well, I forgive because I didn't want to feel it. And forgiveness felt better, but it wasn't real. So I let myself consciously settle into the feelings I had resisted since I was a kid. And the anger and honestly, the hatred I'd been feeling toward my dad intensified. And it wasn't that long. It was maybe hours, maybe a day. And then it lifted. It lifted. I passed through it. And then the forgiveness came. 
So we have to feel in order to heal, and we have to feel in order to forgive. You can't forgive a wrong you haven't grasped. The forgiveness won't be complete. Anger is what lets you know that the wrong has taken place against you, by yourself, from others. This is why we need it to wake up. Anger is the most rejected emotion in the human gamut of emotions. It says the worst things about us, right? Oh, she's so angry. He's such an angry guy. We hate being described as angry. But when we can accept our anger, we are accepting ourselves. We are human and humans feel anger. We don't have to act on it. We don't have to become aggressive. We don't have to allow it to make us raise our voices and scream and yell and say names and fight. No, we can feel it. And this takes self-control. That is also someone who's waking up. We can feel it. We can understand it. We can observe it. And then we can make good decisions about boundaries. But we need it to wake up. We have to learn how to feel and use anger. This is part of maturing. It's the voice inside us that's whispering, you deserved better. And you deserve better now. This is what anger does. Ultimately, it is the strongest statement about our worth. I will never forget the look on that sweet little elderly woman's face when I asked her why her granddaughter was so angry. It was just utter bewilderment. It had not occurred to her to ask her why. See, in her mind, I am assuming from the way that she responded, maybe good girls and maybe nice boys don't get angry. Just be sweet. What do you have to be angry about? You have so many blessings. This is a perfect example of conditioning. She wasn't looking at the why. She was looking at the what. She's angry. Well, why? I don't know. She's just, this is what it is. Well, why is it what it, no, I don't know. This is conditioning. Be an outcome. It doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter what you feel or who you are. Be this. Friends, our anger is necessary to wake us up and shake us out of that. It's uncomfortable. It's powerful. And frankly, I think we're more uncomfortable with our own power than we are with anything else. But we need to allow it in order to know when to respond when to protect what's ours, when to set a boundary, when to call a spade a spade. Fearing our anger is very often fearing our own power. The most powerful awakened people in the world can feel their anger and not act on it. They can notice it. They can listen to it. They can let it inform them and not allow it to control them. Anger isn't a destination, but it's a necessary stop on the road of waking up. All right, this week we've explored how important your anger is in your life and in your process of waking up. Next week we'll take on bargaining. This is how we uh, unconsciously try to make deals to avoid the hard work of facing the ego and letting the true self emerge. Let's pause there. I'll be with you again in a week. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you hear, share the podcast. You know how to do it. Just hit the three dots and click share. And then I think you can send it to people via email or text message. You can subscribe to this podcast. That is the best way to raise our rankings in Apple. So thank you for all of you who have subscribed. Thank you for leaving five-star reviews. Thank you. Thank you for those of you who have taken the time to write reviews. So encouraging. Thanks to each and every one of you for listening each week. If you want to share thoughts or feedback about the podcast, send me an email. I would love to hear from you. It's thepodcast at vanessalandino.com. Thanks again for listening. Remember, your sole work is to discover who you truly are and learn to love that human being, that angry human being. Embrace your anger. It's part of the journey. It's part of waking up. 
This podcast is recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, edited by Jared Bentley. I'm Vanessa Londino, and you just listened to the Vanessa Londino Podcast.